Part 1. Communication Mistakes at Work. Wanting Ice Water. I'm Gloria Moraga. Please subscribe and share my podcast. Tell your friends to Google me, Gloria Moraga One-on-One Podcast. You can link to my podcast from my website as well. I need your support. This is part one of a five-part series I'm writing. I have made many communication mistakes in my professional career, and here's what I'm talking about in this episode. In communications, there is what you say or write and the way you say it. For example, I really love this job, but if you say it sarcastically while rolling your eyes and wrinkling your nose, it sounds like this. I really love this job. It changes the meaning. You know, you can also scream that sentence. I really love this job. I really love this job. It could be an angry scream or a happy scream. This is called paralanguage, the way you say something instead of what you actually say. Paralanguage is a nonverbal communication, such as the tone in your voice, the pitch, or the manner of speaking. And an example of paralanguage is adjusting the pitch of your voice, like I just demonstrated, flexion on one word or the other. Yes, paralanguage is about body language, but still it goes deeper than just refusing to look someone in the eyes when you talk to them one on one. So this is about my paralanguage mistakes. Part one, wanting ice water. This is Gloria Moraga's One-on-One, a show designed to improve face-to-face communication in the digital age. Paralanguage, something I misused. Okay, not really misused. I was just dumb and inexperienced. I worked hard at reporting. I didn't work at being a diplomat. I never counted to 10 before I spoke. Now, this aggressiveness helped me as a reporter, but it hurt me as a manager and as a coworker and as a human being and friend. All this said, my paralanguage stumbles really hurt me, and they resulted in many, many, many nasty exchanges in my life and trouble on the job. Now, I'm here to help you avoid the mistakes I made. And here's one story. I was offered a promotion. It was the opportunity to transition from being an on-the-air journalist to being in television news management. My ultimate goal at that time was to teach, so I figured this would help me with that. So I was over the moon happy. Gannett Corporation wanted me to be a news managing editor at their television station in Sacramento, California. This position is number two in the newsroom after the news director. I worked hard and we had a great team. We're producing great stories and we're moving up in the ratings and really giving the number one station a run for the money. One day, the Gannett news managers traveled from headquarters located in a suburb of Washington, D.C. in the state of Virginia, traveled to Sacramento, and they are coming here to conduct focus groups. You know, focus groups are ordinary people who watch television, and they watch stories 
or the anchors and they tell top level managers what and how they feel about those stories and how they feel about the anchors and the, the talent on air. Gannett was spending a lot of money on this and they wanted to help our news organization succeed, they said. So as managing editor, I was required to be at the focus group meetings. Well, what do you know? We had a major breaking news story the same late afternoon that I was scheduled to be at the focus group meeting. And I did not hesitate for one minute. Mm -mm. No way. I called my boss and I told him I could not be at the big corporate manager meeting. I had to stay with my team in the newsroom and manage the breaking news story. I did this because reporters like to complain about managers leaving the newsroom when there's a breaking story. And I really didn't want the reporters, my former coworkers and colleagues, to think that I was that kind of a manager that didn't give a damn about breaking news or about journalism or news stories. And I liked managing breaking news. I liked it a hell of a lot more than going to a meeting. About 30 seconds after I made that call, the Gannett corporate news manager, boss of my boss at corporate, was in my office. He was very nice. He closed my door and he told me I had to go to the focus group meeting. And I calmly explained that I would not and why it was vital for me to stay with my team. And he said, Gloria, you're not a reporter anymore. You are a manager and you have to come to this meeting. It's the big picture. In the long run, this is more important than one news story. Did I shut up? Did I agree? Did I say I'm sorry? Yes, you're right. <laughs> of course not because I'm a psycho. I argued some more. Finally, my boss, the news director, opened the door and said, enough, Gloria, we're leaving. Come on. I had lost. I got up and we left. Here are my mistakes, and I'm going to outline them for you so that you will never do what I did. Mistake one, don't argue with your boss, especially don't argue with corporate managers. Who the hell did I think I was? Okay, I was passionate about my work and, and they love that about me. But really, they are in charge. They pay my salary. They pay your salary. You work for them. You do what they ask you to do. Mistake two. When you are invited or told to go to a corporate meeting, freaking go. Three. When the big, big boss tells you something, like come to the focus group meeting, do it. Stop arguing. Don't argue for always, always, always say thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy to be included. So did this episode end there? <laughs> no, it did not end there. Of course not, because this episode of One on One is about paralanguage. When we got to the offices where the focus groups were meeting, all the big wigs were there. Now, we were in a small room watching the focus group. Somebody was managing them, and we watched through a two-way mirror or window. My boss at one point whispered to me, I'm so glad you're here. And, of course, did I whisper back and say, thank you, Ron, I'm sorry, I, I caused a ruckus? No, mm -mm. no. I just ignored him. I was silent. I crossed my arms in front of my chest. Paralanguage. Paralanguage. Silence. Cross my arms in front of my chest. 
really bad gesture. Then the corporate boss said, yes, Gloria, this is important. And what did I do? I shrugged. <laughs> I didn't say, thank you, you are right. I, I didn't say anything. I didn't say I'm glad I'm here. I only spoke when someone asked me a question. I, it seemed like I was pouting or showing my displeasure at being there the, the entire meeting. And, and, and I was, like an idiot. I didn't smile. I didn't laugh. My peril language sucked. I was basically saying, I hate you all. I wish I was in the newsroom. I was also saying, I'm a loser. I didn't know I was saying that at the time, but I really was. The next day, our overnight ratings came in and we almost beat the number one news station. The big corporate boss came into my office waving the news rating sheet. Good job, he said. I said, see, I told you it was important for me to be here. Even then, I couldn't be gracious. How stupid can anyone be? And I'm talking about me. I was given incredible opportunities to make it as a corporate manager. And I threw it away. They liked my passion. And they liked me. And I did a lot of things right. But I also did many wrong things. Let me say, I did not want to move to a small Gannett news station to be a news director. That would have been my next step. And I did not want to move back to Virginia to work in corporate because I had just left Washington, D.C. area. But after being bullied at my next job, I wished I had been smarter when I had the chance so that I could have had options later. I could have been a consultant or there were a number of other jobs and opportunities I would have had. Finally, it was a mistake to ever argue with the big corporate news manager. My paralanguage was displayed in front of the station's general manager as well and other corporate leaders at the focus group meeting. And this was horrendous. News people understand each other and the passion for journalism and breaking news, but corporate station managers do not. And so that is the end of that story. And that was painful to remember and to tell. We all want to be effective communicators, but it's really important to align our tone, our appearance, and our body language with the words we say. And really importantly, to think before we communicate. We need to think not just about the words we say, but the words we should say. What is the message we want to convey? And it's a package deal. Words, tone, appearance, body language. That package helps you connect and communicate. Appearance. One example. Research has documented that when people lie, they blink more often. They shrug and they shift their weight. There's also something called poker face. When you're playing poker, you draw fabulous cards like three aces. You don't want your face to convey your excitement. So you keep that poker face. You keep your face looking neutral. You want to raise the bet and make more money. You don't want them to know you have good cards. My appearance at the focus group meeting was unsmiling, arms across my chest, not open, nor welcoming, nor pleasant. A loser. <laughs> Tone. Tone is, yeah, really important. It's another element of communication that is considered nonverbal. A different tone can change the message's meaning. 
You learn this in acting class. I was in a play once at Fresno City College, and the play was being directed by one of my favorite and best professors ever, Dr. Donald Gunn. I was in the cast and sitting in the audience waiting for a rehearsal of my scene, and Dr. Gunn was working with the lead male actor. And here's how their rehearsal went. Dr. Gunn to the student. You are enraged. You want to kill Electra. You are Zeus. You are a god. You shout, be quiet. The student looked petrified. And here's how he shouted out the two words. Be quiet. <laughs> the word quiet was said with kind of a lilt, a kind of a Swedish accent. And it was awful, and it's not what Professor Gunn wanted. And so he tried and tried again. He could not get the student to shout, Be quiet! Two words, my friends. And the way they are spoken gives them meaning one way or the other. That tone in our voice conveys or communicates a lot of information. So this has been all about paralanguage. It's also known as paralinguistics, and it's also called vocalics. And here's a definition. I'll include the link from a Wikipedia page. Vocalics is meta-communications. I love that. Meta-communication. Using the tone of voice, body language, gestures, facial expressions. They modify the meaning and give nuanced meaning or convey emotion by using pitch, volume, intonation, etc. And the quote goes on. Paralanguage may be expressed consciously or unconsciously. Now, I typed this in bold and in caps because I got into the bad habit of wearing my emotions on my face. And this hurt me when I was in management and when I was no longer reporting in all facets of my career. As a reporter, I learned to cover my true feelings up when covering a political story. I mean, I didn't want to frown or let people know that I felt one way or the other about the story. And I worked really hard at that when I was on camera. But when I wasn't on camera, I wore my emotions on my face. And finally, paralanguage was invented by George L. Traeger in the 1950s. Traeger was an American linguist. And as we've already discussed, linguistics is a study of speech. He was first a professor at Yale in the 30s and 40s. And then he worked at the Foreign Service Institute of the U.S. Department of State. This is essential work because nonverbal communication is critical for diplomats, especially when you consider cultural differences. That is some background on the word paralanguage. Back to me and you and this series. My first job out of college was at KMJ Radio, and I moved into television news, which I did for many years. And I made real missteps on the KMJ radio job and on my job in television. And everyone in Fresno knew it. They knew me. When I left television journalism, I took a job at Sacramento State. I made even more one-on-one -on -one mistakes when I was in public affairs. I'm beginning a series of communication mistakes on the job, and I'm going to be quoting from a couple of studies and reports, and I will include links in the descriptions and on my website. And I'm going to put the transcripts of my scripts on my website. You all know I use wanting ice water. 
to prove how difficult my career was when I was being bullied. And wanting ice water is a quote from the book, Man with a Golden Arm. And the full quote is, people in hell want ice water. I see now my communication mistakes really hurt my career and made work a living hell for me. My mistakes, though, do not excuse the bullies for being mean and evil. Here's a list of the big communication mistakes I made in my career, just a few of them, and I'm going to blog about them in the next couple of podcasts. One, paralanguage, or how Gloria destroyed her news management career. And this is almost the end of part one. Part two, carefully communicating or explaining your point of view. Part three, accepting criticism. Part four, listening carefully with your entire mind and body. And five, bad attitude, ego, arguing, interrupting, showing respect for yourself or disrespect for yourself and others. You have to admit when you were wrong and when you don't know, you need to say, I don't know. Of course, there are the different communication methods that we all use, phone calls, video messaging, and Zoom now, and face-to-face -face messaging, direct messaging, email, and in person. My mistakes were made using all of these methods and different methods at different times. They will be included as we move through the series. I'm Gloria Moraga. Make sure all your paralanguage is positive paralanguage. Please subscribe, please share, stay safe, and talk to someone one-on-one. -on -one.